So, who wrote the book of Proverbs? Solomon. And what does the book of Proverbs tell us? In a word. Mm. Wisdom, yeah, that's right. Wisdom for what? For life, yeah. Wisdom on how to live. Tells us how to live. And you know, this just isn't some ancient curiosity here, uh, Proverbs. It's wisdom for living today in the 21st century. And it's for, for all of time. God gave it for all of time starting with Solomon way back at 1000 BC and clear till today and till Jesus comes back. We have the rules for living. And you know, God has given these rules and they're not just little suggestions that you can take or leave no matter what, but they're rules that we should follow in our lives, and it'll be much better for us in our lives if we follow these rules. And uh, so, why don't we go to chapter 21 and verse 1, and Jacob, would you read that for us, please? Okay, so God controls the government. God controls even Biden. God controls everything. Uh, he turns their heart wherever he will. And so, why would God have us have Biden as the president? Giving away all the money he gives away, causing all the inflation he causes, and he says it doesn't cause inflation, but it does cause inflation. And so... Why does God leave us with Biden? He turns the heart of the king wherever he wants. How is it that uh, Biden is able to do all these things? I think we deserve judgment. You got it. You got it right there. We get what we deserve. And we're getting what we deserve here in this country. <clears throat> and uh, it's an ungodly country, basically. And, uh, you know, it's uh, full of sin. And uh, people don't want to hear about God. And uh, so God has given us a government that we deserve. And uh, so it was a little bit of a slight bit of grace that God gave us when Trump uh, happened to get in. And, uh, and, you know, God works in mysterious ways. And God, uh, back uh, when Reagan got in, back in 1980... That was a bit of a blessing for the country, even though Reagan wasn't the greatest president in the world. Uh, but uh, he, was, he was much better than most all the rest of them lately. And uh, anyway, uh, I remember when, when I, 1980, when I was in seminary, <clears throat> uh, some guy just came walking into the seminary, so far as I, I, I didn't know him from anybody. And we were sitting there eating our lunches there in the, in the seminary, here comes this guy walking in, and he says, I want to have prayer for the election, for, for Reagan getting into office. And uh, so, so we had prayer there, and sure enough, he got in. And the thing is, is I think God had put it in the hearts of people to pray, 
And uh, of course, Reagan had a lot to do with the fall of the Soviet Union. And uh, he presented a, a, a firm front to the, to the communists. And the thing is, is that the Soviet Union fell in 1989. And today, Putin is still lamenting that fact and trying to undo it by going into Ukraine. But anyway, God is in control of government. And he puts it in the hearts of people to pray sometimes when he wants to change the government. And he's in control. And he gives people what they deserve many times. Then let's go to verse 3. Verse 3 of Proverbs chapter 21. Beverly, do you have that? Sacrifice. You know, they did sacrifices back in the Old Testament. And were sacrifices pleasing to God back in the Old Testament? Oh, by the way, uh, once again, we want participation in Sunday school. And so we'd like you to say a few words uh, and participate. That's what's different than the service. And so uh, here we have sacrifice. It says that, talking about sacrifice here, and sacrifice was something that was pleasing to God, but did it matter how you made a sacrifice? What mattered with making the sacrifice? Had to be flawless. And also your heart had to be right as you gave the sacrifice. And so it says here to do justice and judgment is better than sacrifice. And so the thing is, is that today we have a lot of people doing sacrifice in churches and they think God is going to bless them because they do sacrifices. What kind of sacrifices do people do today? Works. What kind of works? What kind of good works? Well, that's true. But I'm talking about a little bit more in the church. Like so Catholics do works. Okay, good. People think that they, um, if they say the sinner's prayer, uh-huh. that's good. a work. That's a work. You say the sinner's prayer, you, you walk forward in the service. Uh, what else? And, you know, uh, <clears throat> but what kind of works, you know, today we have the prosperity preachers, and that's big in Brazil. And what do they teach? Give to get. You got it right there. Give to get. And if you give $100 to the church, God's going to give you $1,000 back. If you give $1,000, he's going to give you $10,000 back. And, uh, you know, you do these sacrifices. 
And of course, you go to church as a sacrifice and take communion and do various things. And they think that these doing these sacrifices are going to get them into heaven, are going to get them prosperity. But, you know, <clears throat> God is looking upon the sacrifices, whether we're doing it with the right heart, for the right reasons, and in the right way. And uh, so it's not just enough just to do sacrifice. And so we have justice and judgment has to be done. We have to be following the Lord with our whole heart. And then verse 4, about along the same line, Charlie. So, uh, what's wrong with the wicked plowing his field? Jacob? Right, good. And of course, I'm, I'm talking about even if they just are plowing their field to plant it with their corn, what's wrong with that? Nothing? Well, there's nothing wrong with it in itself, but... They're what? Well, that could be it. Well, the other thing is they're not doing it for God. They're not doing it for the right reasons. They're doing it to lift themselves up, to get rich, whatever, a high look, a proud heart. They have that, and they're doing it with a high look and a proud heart. And all, everything they do is sin, basically. Right, so right. So really no different than us doing works. We want to approach the Lord on our terms. We're not willing to just receive that, that incredible, that beautiful invasion of our lives and His Jesus. Right. We still want to think we have something to do with it. Right, sure, sure. And of course, that's why people love Arminianism. They love it because they have something to do with it. That's it. Matthew? Right, right. Good. Well, <clears throat> where do you see high looks and proud hearts around us here in America? We see it everywhere. And especially out on the highway. And last time I was coming here to church, I, I dared to change lanes uh, out there. And somebody really, and they, they must have had a, special horn on their car that was extra loud. And so they, they really laid on that horn when I dared to change lanes. And, uh, you know, because I'm going to get in their way. And, of course, you see that all the time. You see that even in the stores. You know, people run you over with their carts. You know, it's, uh, 
It's, uh, we've got high looks and proud hearts everywhere. And the plowing of the wicked is sin. And verse 5. Let's go to Dave Cross. Okay, so how are we supposed to supply our needs and uh, get our things for our life and be prosperous? What are we supposed to do? It says here in this verse, work at it. And it's, what word does it use in this verse? We're supposed to be what? Diligent. Diligent diligent in our working, in our job, and, and working. But you know, there's some people that are really hasty to want to get to be rich. And can you think of any people like that, that are really hasty to get rich? And it says that being hasty only leads to want. want. You know, when I go in to get gas at my local uh, gas station, little gas station there in Smyrna. Uh, <clears throat> I'm always waiting in line behind people that are buying gambling tickets there. And you know, the thing is, is that they, they want to get rich quick. And they don't want to work at it. They want to get rich quick. And what does it lead to? It leads to poverty. It leads to being in want. I remember uh, when I worked in Cape May, they used to have buses, take buses up to Atlantic City to the casinos from there. And one guy says, there's all the losers getting on the bus. And that's how it is. I mean, the, the odds are that you're going to lose. That's the, that's the odds, big odds. And it tends only to want. No, you're not interrupting. We like people to participate. Go ahead. Ye have so much and bring in little. Ye eat but have not enough. Ye drink but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you but there is none warm. And he who earneth wages earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. So the more we do this not under the Lord, and I'm talking about professing Christians here, the Lord isn't going to bless that. He would, if we would just put him first. And that means taking down the high places in our hearts. If we would do that, he would bless even a little bit. Uh, you know, with a little bit that we are able to squeeze in and work, he, he exponentially multiplies that. The people that think, if they work extra hard, the Lord says you're putting it into a bag of holes. That's good. And then they wonder where they, why they're there. And, uh, of course, always people get bigger and bigger incomes but then they don't do any better because the expenses keep up with the income tim whoa you're 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 giving my text for this morning for the sermon there we are good <laughs> <laughs> That's good. 
Okay, then we have verse 6 of chapter 21. Teresa? Forgetting treasures by a lying tongue is a vanity tossed to and fro of them that seeketh death. Okay, the seek. Okay, so getting treasures by a lying tongue. And there are people that do that. They make treasures through lying. Jacob. Of course, you know, when we see what Biden's doing with this student loan thing and with all that, the thing is, that's nothing new for the liberals. The liberals, their, their philosophy has always been tax and spend. Tax, tax, spend, and get elected. Pack, tax, spend, and get elected. And, of course, his student loan thing is a, he thinks he, he's desperate to see what he can do to affect the midterm elections. And so he comes out with this, although he's getting a lot of bad uh, publicity on it. I don't know if it's going to work out all that great for him, but it's certainly not going to work out very good for inflation and for, uh, yeah, the people. And, of course, they say inflation is the cruelest tax of all. And, of course, the government does steal, and it does steal by a lying tongue. And, uh, you know... But that's vanity. What does vanity mean in the Bible? Vanity. It's emptiness, empty, empty emptiness. And that's what we have here with uh, getting treasures by a lying tongue. And toss to and fro of those that seek death. Then verse 9, Jerry. So Proverbs has some interesting uh, metaphors and some interesting descriptions. And it talks here about a brawling woman. Uh, Is it possible to have a brawling woman? Sure it is. And it would be better to live in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. What does a brawling woman do? Always looking for a fight. Contentious, right. And uh, we don't want to be like that. Then verse 10. Verse 10 to Irene. Okay, so the wicked, he desires evil. He's always looking at the negative of things. Always negative, negative, negative. And he's always looking for evil. And his neighbor finds no favor. And then verse 11. Verse 11 to Ira. Okay, so what's going to happen when you punish the scorner? What's going to happen? Okay, they get mad, but in our verse here. In our verse here. 
The simple are made wise. So, you know, if you punish somebody, other people are going to look and get wisdom from it. And they're going to learn a lesson from the punishment. And uh, so there's a deterrence in punishment. And, you know, we have uh, the debate always about capital punishment. Should you have capital punishment or not? The Bible teaches capital punishment. And the thing is, is that they say, oh, well, don't you know that with capital punishment, there's no deterrence in that. People aren't kept from murder just because you put the murderers to death. And, uh, you know, they say that, but what does the Bible say? The Bible says the simple are made wise. It says that it, it does have a deterrent effect. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, the simple are made wise today that they can get away with everything. Yeah, yeah, well, that's the bad way of being made wise. Well, that's how it is in Brazil. In Brazil, it's, there's, you get away with murder, you get away with everything, and so crime down there is terrible. And in New York City, it's the same way. What's going to happen? The crime's going to be terrible. But if we just put in practice the things of Proverbs, and if we just put in practice the things of the Bible, well, then we'll be so much better off. And, uh, of course, we have our bumper sticker that you give out here about, you know, chaos or, uh, or obeying God's commandments. And uh, so that's what it is. But people don't want, they want to quibble at what God says. They want to say, oh, it's not really that way. Oh, don't you know this? Don't you know that? Well, we just need to take what God says, and it'll be better for us. And then we go down to verse 13, skip to 13. Of course, as we go through Proverbs here, we skip verses because there's a lot of repetition in Proverbs. And why is there a lot of repetition in Proverbs? Anybody know? We need it. Of course, that's to reinforce things. Repetition, but there's a particular reason with the Jews and the Hebrews, that was their form of poetry. Their form of poetry was repetition. They didn't have rhymes, they had repetition. They had different ways of saying things was poetry, and that's what we have in Proverbs, and we have those in uh, God's poetry. And so then we have here, uh, let's go down to verse 13. And Roberta, you want to read that for us? Okay, so we need to help the poor, it says here. Now, one thing is, uh, you know, we have those guys who uh, stand at the street corners out on the road. You know, they have to stand on the road now. They have to stand at the stoplights because everybody's in their cars. You can't see anybody today except if they're in their cars. And of course, it's very difficult to find a place to street preach today or to give out tracts on the street because there's no people walking around. They're all in their cars. So anyway, the poor people are on the, at the stoplights. And you know, the thing is, is that my reaction to them today tends to be, you know, uh, 
everywhere has help wanted ads, so uh, I'm sure they could find a job somewhere. Well, of course, that's probably true, but I still give a little bit to them to give them a tract. But you know, and you know when you have people come and ask you for help or somebody on the street or whatever, and, and you know, a lot of them are just getting money to go out and drink and uh, take drugs or whatever. But does that mean that we should never give to any poor people because they're all trying to take advantage of us? No, we still need to, to do some of that. Yeah, yeah. Really? <laughs> I never had that happen. <laughs> but anyway, we can't just X off every poor person as a crook. We have to uh, help somebody, help the poor, try to help somebody, and, and uh, it's, it's something that's good to do. And the Bible says it's good to do. And there are poor people out there, not so many of them quite in America as some other places, but there's a few poor people out there. And we ought to try to help the poor. And then we go on to verse 15. Verse 15, and we are to uh, Jim. Okay, so it's interesting here. It says it's a joy to the just to do judgment. It's a joy to the just to do things for the Lord. It's a joy for the Christian to do things for the Lord, a joy to, to help other people for the Lord. It's a joy. It's something that should be a joy in our lives, not a burden, and uh, to help others and to do things for the Lord. Then we go on down to verse 17, Nancy. Okay. And so we got a lot of people love pleasure. And it says that you'll tend to be a poor man if you love pleasure too much. There's nothing wrong with pleasure or nothing wrong with entertainment. But we can entertain ourselves to death today. And then we have, uh, he that loves wine and oil shall not be rich. What's wrong with loving wine and oil? And of course, here wine could be uh, a grape juice, for that matter. In the Bible, wine is either grape juice or alcoholic wine, depending on the context. It's one word for both of them. But anyway, what's wrong with wine and oil? Of course, that's where covetousness comes in, is when we love it too much, right? But, the, but besides that, the thing is, is that wine and oil back in those days was expensive. They were expensive. 
And uh, if you loved those a lot, you were not going to be rich because you're going to be spending all your money on your wine and oil, on your luxuries, or whatever the stuff that you like. And uh, so, uh, then let's go on to verse 20. Verse 20, and we are up to Tim. Okay, you know, what's the key to uh, being able to pay your bills, to be prosperous, to uh, be financially solvent? The biggest key is what? Is, it, is the biggest key to make more money or, or to not spend too much? What's that? Discernment, right? But I think if you have a choice between the two, it's really not spending too much is the key. And the trouble is, the more and more money you make, the more and more expenses you got, the more and more things you want. And uh, so anyway, it's uh, got to watch what our expenses are. A foolish man spendeth it up. And then down to verse 23. 23, Lisa. No. Mm-hmm. And so, what do we need to control? Our tongue. And it's the hardest thing in the world to control. And James chapter 3 tells us about that. And it's very difficult to control the tongue. And nobody controls it completely. And uh, it's never been tamed completely. And so we need to try to control it. And uh, so, you know, Proverbs has a lot of different themes that run through the book. And uh, there are diligence is a theme. A theme is raising children. A theme is our tongue, how we use it. And then to verse 25, 25, 25 Matthew. Okay, so the slothful, what's a slothful man? Lazy. And you know, down in Brazil, they have sloths. And sloth moves really slow, really slow. And uh, so anyway, Ira just saw a video of a sloth down there. What was it on the video? Seemed like he was thanking the guy by reaching his paw there. But anyway, she saw that video online. But anyway, from Brazil. But anyway, we have the sloth, and he moves really slow. And so it says here that a foolish man, he's like a, he's a slothful man, and his hands refuse to labor. And the Bible tells us, in all labor there is profit. And so labor is something that good, that's good. And labor is not part of the curse. The curse is God had Adam working in the garden even before, <clears throat> before the fall. And then verse 
26. 26, Rachel. Okay, I think you didn't quite get that word there, coveteth. But anyway, we have verse 26 there. He coveteth greedily all the day long. He coveteth, a slothful man who doesn't work. He wants more and more, but he can't get it. Of course, in our socialistic country today, you can get quite a bit without working. And it's not too hard. And uh, But uh, anyway, it's... Uh, not the way that it's set up. And anyway, here we have the coveteth man, greedily, he covets all, all day long the slothful man. Then verse 27, verse 27 to Noah. Okay, there's the old, old thing right there, is that... Uh, with a wicked mind, the sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. And you know, <clears throat> the prosperity preachers, they say, they quote the verses in the Bible, oh, I have thoughts for you of good, and you know, I'm going to prosper you, and, and all these verses they take out of context, and then they say that that applies to everybody. But it doesn't apply to everybody, it applies to those that are serving God. And uh, that's what it talks about here. The sacrifice of a wicked is abomination. If a guy gives his $100 in church, if he's wicked, that's an abomination. He's not going to get $1,000 from God anyway. And then verse 30. Verse 30. And we come to Lisi. There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. And so we really can't fight the Lord. Remember Jonah? When he was called to go to Nineveh, he thought he could get away from God. He could go to, to Tarshish and not have any trouble. But God was in control and got a hold of him. And then verse 31. Verse 31, and you know, this is really interesting. We have the last verse of the chapter with the last person to read. 31. Mm -hmm. Now, it talks about battle, and you prepare for the battle. You prepare your horse, horse for the battle. Is that bad? No. no. You prepare. But safety is of the Lord. And you know, you can make all kinds of preparations, but safety is ultimately from the Lord. And you know, you can put all kinds of locks on your house and have ADT security and all kinds of stuff, but the criminals can still get in, and safety is of the Lord. And you know, you can eat health food your whole life and never touch any sugar and never touch anything bad, and you're still going to die, that's for sure. But you're still going to have, uh, you might still have problems too. And uh, in the, with the horse here, you might have a big military. But it's not always the big military that wins. Last night, we were watching, um, what's that called? Anyway, 
about the war's history and um, how Stonewall Jackson, they showed that he always prayed. Right. Like with his hand up and was praying, mm-hmm. and he was never afraid of, he always said it was about the Lord, and he, his hand got shot. Oh, it's just a, it's just a, whatever, like a little, just a brush. Wrapped it up and went on. Wrapped it up and went on, but it was, it was kind of enlightening to see. He was just, he didn't care, he would be right out in the front. Right, right, right. He was saying it was of the Lord. Whether he was a Christian or not, I don't know. But. Yeah, that's it, that's it. Well, God preserved him up until the time God decided to take him. Yep, and uh, go ahead, Matthew. Right, right. Right. Right, sure, sure, sure. And uh, you talked about Stonewall Jackson. I've been reading recently a biography of Douglas MacArthur. And uh, Douglas MacArthur, the Lord really preserved him through his life. He would go right into the middle of the battles and uh, right, uh, you know, and he never got wounded any time. Back in World War I, he was the most decorated soldier in all of World War I of the U.S., and, uh, and I remember it's talked about, he went on this patrol with his soldiers, and there were a few soldiers with him. They went on patrol, and every one of the soldiers on the patrol got killed, except for he didn't get a scratch. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it was interesting how God pre- preserved him. And, uh, of course, those guys always said that uh, when it's my time, God's going to, let me get shot or whatever, and when it's not my time, no. I mean, of course, you can't be presumptuous either, uh, but still, uh, safety is of the Lord. And I think we'll stop on that good note, and with using up all of our people and all of our verses of chapter 21 of Proverbs. Any final comment or question? So it's that, it's no matter what, and then of course you can go to Gideon, and I love that, 300 men, he could have done it with zero, the Lord could have loved that. So it's like he even says, it doesn't matter if there's a lot or a little, the Lord will bless, but he wants us to go to him. So. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay, well let's close in prayer, and why don't we have our last reader, Dave, lead us in closing prayer.